Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Popcast podcast. The Reds are shit, the Reds are going nowhere, the Reds have got hammered. The Reds have lost three games at home in a row from the first time since about 1742. So to debate the record-breaking Reds tonight, I have, I've got Beryl Akis in the Netherlands. Beryl, uh, hi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good. Good evening, or you know, at what, uh, whatever time people are listening to this, to this group therapy session. Yes. So we'll we'll try to we'll we'll try to help you through this difficult time as best we can. Uh, we've got Beryl. We've got Andy Bell in Liverpool. Andy, how are you? Yeah, not fantastic. I was uh, I was doing a bit of critical analysis this evening after the game, and I noticed a pattern that uh, ever since we've started going for a run on a Sunday. The Reds have been losing every game, so I think the only reasonable thing to do is go back to eating dominoes and being a fat mess. So, uh, so you did this? Yeah, I'll, 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 yeah, quite Dig possibly. Andy. But, but I'll, I'll, I'll get sorted as soon as I can, and we'll, we'll win the Champions League. We'll come for it. It'll be all right. Yeah, I do you know what I thought that too. Um, see if I got a, I, I got a nice Kenny uh, Dalglish um, t-shirt. A nice grey one with a seven and a little crown on the top of it. it was lovely and I wore it a few times and we lost and I decided I would stop wearing it and we still lost so none of that shit matters so yeah are you feeling are you feeling superstitious about this or is this bigger than that of course it's bigger yeah well I mean I went into this game with with both my lucky tops on so that's my, my replica from the from the from the uh, 8990 uh title winning season and uh, I had my, my red Adidas on top and yeah we still got beat so I've exhausted all options now the reds have, have, have stumped me so um yeah let's 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 get into it yeah all right so I'll stick with you um it's probably the team we expected I don't think anybody we I think Maybe people hoped that one of the two new centre-halves would start, but I think deep down we all knew that if Henderson and Fabinho were available and we had the midfield options, that that would be the way it looked, and so it was. Um, and the first half, it, it's fairly even. They get the penalty. I think it's a penalty. I think it's a... And I think this is kind of the issue where it's, it's a midfielder's halfway line tackle in the box, and it's instinctive that the guy goes past him and he just chucks a leg out and he's not thinking. Um, but we get a reprieve. And so often you've seen in games of football when a team misses a penalty, it galvanises the opposition and they go on to control the game and impose themselves on the opposition. But although the first half probably finished kind of I'd say we probably shade it with with the better chances, with the Firmino shot, with the money header that he probably should finish. But you know, second half, it it just doesn't happen, does it? Well, it is a game of few chances in the first half, but I think you're right to say we probably shaded it in open play. Uh, obviously, they get the penalty, and I think it is definitely a penalty, as you said. Um, you know. Uh, I don't think you can really argue there's contact and it looks like Fabinho hangs his back leg out. Um, and Sterling goes over it, as he's every right to do. So, 
Um, but yeah, it was it was tight. I mean, it was tight. We, we know City been playing very tight recently. Conceded, they haven't conceded, hadn't hadn't conceded in, in nine games before this, I believe. Um, and they'd won all of those games. Um, so they were on a they were on a, a roll. There's no doubt about that. They were the form team coming into the game. But in the first half, I think, you know, both teams showed each other a lot of respect. There was a bit of sparring going on. In fact, a lot of sparring going on. It was very tactical. But Liverpool prob- probably shaded it in open play. But, um, you know, sec- and, and just to touch on Manny's header, he should score. You know, it's the only chance it's created. But in a tight game at the top level, you, you want your you want your top players to be to be hitting the target there, minimum. And if he those, it down, those are the chances. Those are the chances that you cry out. Well, for they're the difference. The football, you know, at the very top level, they're the difference. As a in forward the player, they're, they're the chances that you that you dream about. It's right in well, your head. You're six yards out. You're right in the middle of the goal. And those and are the chances. If you head it down, if you yeah. head it down, the chances in fact, are you from, from from that range, just hit the target, and as long as you miss the keeper, it probably goes in. Yeah, and if you head it down, even if you hit the keeper down by his feet, it probably goes in. But you know, it's one of them. He doesn't score, and we go into the break nil nil. Uh, but the second half, I, I, I you know, I don't want to be. Massively overly, you know, overcritical or you know, spit the dummy or anything. But the second half was 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 pretty abominable. Um, obviously, there's the mitigating circumstances of Allison's two, well, three mistakes, um, which you can't legislate for, and you don't know how the the game necessarily would have gone had they not occurred. But the way I saw it was we were lucky to get back at 1-1. Again, it is definitely a penalty. There's no doubt about it, and it's well dispatched. Um, unlike unlike Gundogan in the first half, Salah makes no mistake. But we had no, in, in the 10 minutes between between our penalty and, and their second goal, I think City have a goal ruled out. Um, they're certainly very much in the ascendancy, and it, it looks like there's really only one team that's probably going to go on and win it. Um, and and I, it's not the first time in recent run in this recent run where the second half has just been a non-event for Liverpool, where where us we as fans have sat there at halftime and said, right, second half, we you know we'll go out and you know step it up and you know go up one more gear and we'll win this game. But it's, it's the opposites happen time after time. We've we've gone back further into ourselves and and inevitably the opposition pulls away and ends up, at, unfortunately, these days winning. And so it proved again. And it was very comfortable for City in the end. And, um, you know, we'll talk about probably wider implications and, and, and reasonable expectations given what's happened a bit later. But but certainly today was was not a good performance. Um, I don't think we can really complain about the selection because, as you've touched on, it was always likely to be that, given that the the new centre halves were not exactly first choice picks, and uh, they've only been in the in the club six days. So, you know, we 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 probably had the best eleven out that we that we could have expected, and you know, 
yet again they haven't stepped up and whatever the circumstances we've been left wanting quite badly yeah it's Andy it's it's a, it's a hard one to take because I think the first half's fairly even and you think to yourself if, if these are the guys that are you know people are looking at there's going to be streets ahead at the end of the season we're neck and neck the first game at the Etihad was pretty similar and there wasn't much to pick between the two sides at half time um, but if we talk about mentality, Liverpool had two opportunities to really take the ascendancy, and it was after the penalty miss and after Salah scored the penalty. And for whatever reason, we almost seemed to retreat into ourselves after those two situations. You'd think that that would galvanise the team. You'd think that that would give them an impetus to, to grab the game but the scruff of the neck and go out and impose themselves in the opposition. But for some reason, the opposite happens, and I just can't, for the life of me, understand why. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it's not exactly an original point, this, but I think in that situation, the two situations in which you uh, reference there, the Gundogan penalty and the, and the Salah penalty, um, I think, you know, in both in both those situations, you have the fans right on top of City, you have the fans really cheering us on and giving that, us that momentum, and as I say, it's not, it's, I'm not the first person to make this point, but I really do think that we are the, the worst, the worst hit by the lack of supporters. It, it's reflected in our form, which is pretty much, I mean, it's a couple of games before the lockdown in terms of like there's Watford and then there's a couple of bad performances, but the vast majority of this period of bad form, this year of not consistently bad form because there have been periods where we've been good, but it's all been without supporters and uh you know i was listening to to sky sports in the build-up to it and michael richards was saying you know about how coming to anfield whether he was with the the city when they got the money or before that he always said anfield was his toughest game you know even though manchester united and chelsea were winning leagues every year anfield was the toughest place for him to come and he said it was because the supporters get right on top of you they really cheer their team on and they help the team to become more than the sum of its parts and uh and roy Keane kind of made a big thing of how we're making loads of excuses so oh that's another excuse for them and it's like i'm listening to that i'm thinking what am i paying hundreds of pounds a year for to hear Roy Keane make quips that I'd expect to hear on like the school playground or the cringe fest that is football Twitter. It's like, no, that's a, that's an actual factor that affects things, Roy. Like many other things, like the injury crisis, it's not like two people having a row at lunchtime after work who, you know, who support different teams and are, are trying to prove that they're, they've got some sort of superiority over the other. It's like, it's your job to criti- critically analyze these things, these factors and, and, and explain the game because of it. Um, so that really did my head in. Sorry, I know that's completely off topic, but I think in the first half, there were a couple of times where our pressing was good. We had four or five men up, absolutely peppering Man City on the ball, and they were just a little bit more comfortable on it. They were able to make a comfortable pass out wide, and we know they're probably the best technical team in the league in terms of playing it out from the back, but I felt like if there were supporters roaring at them, whistling them in possession, then they might have been prone to a few more mistakes. And 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 that's like if Gundogan misses a penalty, imagine what Anfield is for the next five minutes. Imagine what Anfield is for the next five minutes after Salah puts away the penalty after you know we haven't been very good all game, but we've got into it. You know you wouldn't have backed against a score in another. Whereas in a, the game in its current incarnation, you're a bit like I mean I put in the chat before we actually did score. 
you know, does anyone see a score in here? Because I just didn't. And uh, and bar Ruben Diaz pretty much gifting it to us. First of all, gifting us the ball and then gifting us a penalty, which is, it is a penalty, but it's a tackle. It's a, not, it's not even a tackle. It's a foul he doesn't even need to make because the ball is going to be quite easily cleared away from John Stones. And even after having been given that reprieve, we, we then contrived to concede three more goals. And it's just so frustrating. Uh, first half, I think, I've mentioned this in pre pod, so I'll mention it again. There's for this in the second minute, Ederson kicks the ball straight to Mane. Um, two seasons ago, Salah lobs him from the halfway line when we've got confidence. Um, Curtis Jones picks up the ball on the right in pretty much the same position as Robertson picked up the ball a year ago against Man City. But Robertson, with the confidence, played it first time on the Salah's head, whereas Curtis Jones turns around, gives it to Firmino, and it, I think it ends up back at Allison. Uh, and Gary Neville made the point on, on the commentary. He said, you know, if a full Anfield just wouldn't allow that. Um, and it is true, and it can be a lazy point sometimes that people make, so they don't have to critically analyse the game, but it does play a part. It plays a massive part. Um, I have only actually got round this weekend to reading Rafa Honigstein's book on Jurgen Klopp. Uh, and just just reading that and the the quotes that come out of Klopp's backroom staff from Klopp himself and you know details his time at Mainz and his time at Dortmund and he literally turned down clubs because you know the atmosphere wasn't feral the atmosphere wasn't what it was like at Anfield both when he was in Germany and when he was here and that's because the way he plays that high octane high pressing at Liverpool we've seen over the past few years that it, you need the supporters to energize that you really you know so this idea that it's one or two percent, it's not a marginal gain, it's a massive thing. Um, but it's probably, you know, overall Manchester City are the better side today. They're, they're a team of robots or a team of expensively assembled robots who, when all extenuating factors are taken out of it, um, you know, all things that might level things up or might influence the game, then more often than not, uh, they're going to win football games and stroll the league titles and, that's exactly what they're doing. But I thought we were just far too conservative first half and uh, the mistakes that he were making at the back, uh, it, it just wasn't going to, it just wasn't going to keep happening uh, throughout the game. And eventually they were going to start taking advantage of attacks and chances they had. Uh, and that's exactly what was borne out. Yeah. It's an interesting point, Beryl, that Andy makes there. And that, you know, people have often, um, tried to trivialise the impact of of the Anfield crowd and the Anfield atmosphere. But, you know, in actual fact, we know the impact that it makes. And probably, I don't know whether you agree with me or not, I'm keen to hear your opinion, but we saw Klopp um, in his early days get laughed at and ridiculed after... The, the 2-2 draw with West Brom when he brings the squad to the cop and they do the all hold hands and and everybody's here. But that is something that he values highly and he puts a lot of stock in that is going to make the difference. And you will probably have more insight into this than the rest of us will, given your profession, but you know, how much do you think it impacts us compared to other clubs not having that feral atmosphere there? And, you know, we've talked about away games as well. But actually, if you look at it, the, the majority of away games you watch, it's it's the away fans that you hear. 
You know, it's not the home fans. The away fans are generally the atmosphere in the majority of the games. Is that more of a difference than we've probably thought this season? Um, well, you know, um, to, to start with the first point that you say, um, maybe I know a little more about this. I, I, I don't think I, I know more about it intuitively. It's, it's more I, I can give. Uh, uh, I give. I have some scientific <laughs> um, insight into uh, how you how you might might call it. But we all know what what effect a crowd has. Um, and, and 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 some styles of, of playing have um, are are more uh, dependent on how a, uh, how uh, the, the crowd quite literally resonates on on what the team is uh, is doing and um, the oohs and ahs and 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 piling the pressure on when when uh, the the defense of of or the goalkeeper of the of the opponent makes a mistake, and and when you're in a position to shoot, that that they can literally tell you to shoot. All of these things, um, every crowd does this, but but some are more um, you know more fanatic at it, and some are more good at it. Uh, and plus, you know, Klopp is is a, a, a coach, a manager who who. who who lives by this? This is this is how he wants to play. You know, it's lazily sometimes referred to as as heavy metal football, and, and probably because he 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 said himself <laughs> that it was. But this is you know we haven't played heavy metal football all all of his tenure at at, uh, at Liverpool. But but then again, uh, the the crowd has had a, um, literally a role to play. Um, and and Klopp has has emphasized this himself, um, you know, quite sometimes. And and if if he thought the the, the crowd wasn't wasn't uh, vociferous enough, he he would call out the crowd. He would say, "Come on, where are you? I, I, we can't do this alone." So yeah, they have a role to play. And if you, if you don't acknowledge that, then you simply don't know anything about football because football is not only. Um, tactics and knowing how to to uh, to dribble past uh, your opponent or uh, know how to shoot a ball, but but also how to use the crowd. And, and this can be uh, the crowd of the opponent. You know, when you're playing an away game, uh, lots of players loved the the hostile environment and and you know the effect they can have by silencing the crowd. By scoring a goal, um, so all of these things are not present at uh, at this time, and uh, and I think um, and they are not present for any team. Uh, this is true, but at the same time, um, we are a team that have uh, depended more on this than than other teams have, because of Klopp, but also because of Liverpool, because you know Klopp is at Liverpool. Because we have all these things, because we uh, we have Anfield. Anfield uh, was Anfield before Klopp and will be Anfield, um, you know, when Klopp uh, and long may his tenure continue. But you know, when he leaves, we will still be Anfield, and we will still be this uh, one of the most frightening cathedrals uh, of football that that you will uh, enter if you're an, uh, if you're an <laughs> not playing at Liverpool. So yeah. It, it, it does affect us, and it, it does affect us more than, than any other team, I think. Um, 
No, maybe uh, Crystal Palace will also be affected by it, but uh, they didn't have the style. They have the 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 crowd, but they don't have the the the, the tactical style that that makes use of uh, of of, uh, of this 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 energy. You you know, Hodgson, and that's why Hodgson was was such a bad fit at uh, at Liverpool. You know, all of things these things said, um, and we, we weren't at our best. Um, there were points in the game that uh, that we could have um, capitalized on, on uh, the mistakes they made. Um, uh, they could have capitalized on the mistakes we have made. Uh, and and uh, in the end, you know, you, you analyze the result, but you know the process is is is. If if you want to understand what happened, you you need to analyze the, the process as well. And um, and I think. Um, a crowd would have made a difference, um, especially because um, Guardiola never won a game at Anfield before tonight, and you know now he has. But you know now he has without a crowd, so this one doesn't really count. I, I'd say. Yeah, well, we'd all like to think that it doesn't count, but unfortunately, the the points are on the board, and um, it's a significant gap now, Chief. Um, from us to the city, it's 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 ten points with with them having a game in hand and expectations have I think the guys talked about it in the last pod ex- expectations have been significantly downgraded and and now all of a sudden our aspirations and um, targets have severely shifted this season and. Given everything that we've talked about, um, top four is it's literally a challenge now. Um, we're we're going to have to string a set of results together. We're going to have to beat the Leicesters and not even the Leicesters and the Everton. That that's fine. I'm not too concerned about that. But it's we're going to have to start beating the shit that we haven't been able to beat because otherwise we're going to find ourselves in a situation that. Um, Chelsea or Arsenal have been in. So, you know, h- how do we arrest this slump? Is it simply enough to say we get Jota back, we get Kaida back, we get the two centre halves in? Will that make enough of a difference to get us to where we need to be? Well, <laughs> I suppose it kind of has to. Um we were chatting pre-pod and Beryl mentioned the phrase rock bottom. And I suppose in a way this 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 has to be, well, I think it has to be. And, and in a way you can make a case for, for it being because... Did you not think rock bottom had already happened? Because I can't no, thought that rock bottom had already I, I happened. Don't, I don't... I, think I, thought, you, I thought Burnley was rock bottom. Now, would you can make a case for that, of course... It depends how you want to look at things, obviously. But up until this point, I think we'd all said, especially with the games against Spurs and West Ham, that we had problems beating the <clears throat> lesser teams, perhaps. The bottom of the bottom six, we've got hardly any points against this season. We were having trouble coming up against low block defences. Tonight wasn't any of that. Tonight was a team that we should be confident against. We've consistently had the upper hand over in, in one-on-one battles, save for the odd 
game which you can put down to you know red cards and and, and the like in most competitions we have been better than than them when it's come down to to uh you know a one-on-one game and um certainly at Anfield you know the the stats go out to prove it what is it 19 2003 and before that 19 something 80 something um the last times they did one at Anfield so you know it's a team we should be confident against it's a team that didn't park the bus in any by any stretch of the imagination um it's a team right at the top so not in the bottom six and, and not frustrating us in inverted commas uh, we had the best team available to us out on the pitch. Um, obviously, it's nowhere near our first team. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the actual 11 players on the pitch, it's certainly the strongest team we probably could have fielded. Um, so there are no excuses. There's no... There are no excuses. And a lot of the... A lot of the you know, the talk around Liverpool this season and, and Andy mentions Roy Keane there saying, oh, it's another excuse. And, and I take his point. There are mitigating circumstances, absolutely, and I've harped on about them as well. It makes a massive difference, you know, um, what's happened in terms of injuries and, and the rest and the fans. Fans is a massive part as well. I think and I agree with the lads. I think, I think it's vital. But there ha- on top of that, there has been... Because of that, perhaps, a little bit of a tendency in the last little while to, to sort of clutch a little bit at straws, you know, um, in terms of maybe there have been one or two excuses. And that's understandable because we've been dealt rotten rotten cards. Do you think we're feeling sorry for ourselves? I think there is a little bit of that. and I think certainly as a fan base we are. And I think you can probably see it in the players as well, although, you know, I don't want to say that 100% because you don't know. But, you know, tonight there are no excuses. This was the game. If we had any chance, any pretensions of staying in this title race. And I think we can write that off now. So it's it's Mark 2. It's season Mark 2. Ambitions have now officially been lowered. But just because they've been lowered doesn't mean you can fall short of them. You've got to fucking hit them. Because if you don't get in the top four, you're done for. Um, no one's going to remember last year's champions who finished sixth this season. Everyone will write Liverpool's wonderful record-breaking season last season off as an anomaly. And you don't want that to happen. You can't afford for that to happen. So um, this has to be rock bottom. And we have to now start the season again and win every game to the end of the season. Look to win every game to the end of the season. And once we're in the Champions League again next season, we can then, from that position of, of relative safety and strength, launch an assault again on, on where we think we should be. But um, that has to be done now. Yeah, something needs to change, Andy. Something needs to change really quickly. And I think... I think everybody thought and everybody hoped that after Spurs and West Ham that things had changed. But, you know, Brighton and Brighton and tonight, it would suggest that, that those two games were the the anomaly, not this weird little, what people were suggesting might have been a blip. 
And it appears that it wasn't a blip. That this is actually a systemic issue that we're experiencing at the minute. What do we need to do in your eyes to arrest this issue and get ourselves back to a point where we can secure a position where we're in the Champions League next year, where we can get that revenue in that is required and we can kick on from there? Yeah, that's exactly the point I made in the last podcast as well. Um, the last two months isn't a blip of the last three years. It's more that the last week has been the blip, has been the anomaly of the last two months, as you say. Um, it's, it's exactly right. And I think, um, you know, for those two games, I, I agree with you and, and what the guys have said. I, I did think we turned a corner as well. Uh, Firmino was back in form. He was linking up with the front three. Salah was banging goals in. Even, you know, even Manny wasn't playing well, but getting goals. And, you know, after that Spurs game was the best I'd seen the front three play in, in a year, pretty much. And I thought, right, well, that's brilliant. You know, we've, we've got over this now that they're, they haven't lost all their powers. They haven't lost their pace. And, uh, and I thought, you know, that's fine. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give this, we'll give the league a go. And even after, um, even after Wednesday was Brighton, Wednesday or Thursday, uh, one of the two. Anyway, we lost. And uh, even after that, I said, I think I said in the podcast, like, I think the league's gone. But the more and more I was uh, looking forward to this weekend, I was thinking, well, you know, if we can cut the gap to four points, even though they have a game in hand, their next four are quite difficult. I think it's Arsenal, United, Leicester, West Ham, maybe. And I thought, you know, let's see what they're like under pressure. They're not used to going 1-0 down. They're not used to uh, having much of a challenge this season. Uh, so I thought, you know, let's see what their bottle is. Let's see what they're made of. But uh, obviously now it looks uh, it looks as though, well, I mean, they have won the league, certainly as far as we're concerned anyway. I don't know if, uh, like, see, United still think they can catch them. Uh, but looking at that objectively, that's pie in the sky as well because this City team, uh, with all extenuating factors the same, are the best team in this league. There's no doubt about it. They're the best squad. They're the best players. Um, in terms of what we do now uh, to fix this, I think over the last couple of months, we've seen too much of our midfield without Fabinho and Henderson, or even without one of them. Uh, we've seen too much of that, and the results that have come along with it, and the performances and the sterile showings that have come along with it, um, to think that we can keep doing that, really. Uh, especially when we've got two guys who have come in, and you know they might be good, they might be dreadful, they might be somewhere in between, but I think at this point we have to try it because we need to get Henderson back into midfield at the very least, uh, if not Fabinho as well. I mean, the ideal scenario is you throw both of those guys in and uh, and and they're they're absolutely fine. And you've got Henderson in midfield, uh, Henderson Fabinho midfield with Thiago, the same midfield that played in that Everton game where they were brilliant. And we've got the front three and we're looking brilliant again. And we win every game until the end of the season. And we're going around in the Champions League. That's best case scenario now. Um, the reality is probably going to be a bit different. Um, I still think Kabak can come in and be a good player. He's he's match fit. He's played in the Bundesliga, uh, albeit obviously he's lost a lot of the games this season, but he's still used to playing at that standard. And even with like the likes of Trent Robertson either side of him and Fabinho or or Davies, whoever's playing centre half, he's going to be playing with better players with with a team that has has more of the ball. And I just think we just, we just need to we start doing that as soon as possible. Get at least one of the centre backs thrown in. Um, because Thiago, we haven't actually really seen him without Henderson. Uh, and I thought he was really poor today. And I thought he was really poor in, mid- in midweek as well. Um, and I've been a bit disappointed with him so far. But I think it's it's all to do with circumstances. It's all to do with the fact that he's legging about midfield. Because we don't have the same legs in midfield as what we as what we do when we have Fabinho Henderson there. So 
he's just seeing off the ball and he's diving into challenges and he picks up a yellow card like three minutes into that. It's like that's it's, none of this is sustainable. Um, so I, I'm just looking at that and I'm thinking something has to change in the midfield. It's the same front three. Uh, we know that they individually the defence isn't as good, but we have to work with that. But the midfield is a bit we actually can change, uh, and we need to start doing that. And I, I know a lot of people have said it, but I don't really know why one of the centre halves doesn't start today. It looks like we're trying to bed them in and give them time. It's like we've bought both of these because we're in an absolute crisis. Uh, we're in an, uh, like a real, real crisis here. We're having to play two centre midfield. Like Jordan Henderson plays before this last month he plays one game at centre half and that's Wolves in the FA Cup but two years ago with Keanu Hoover and now we're throwing him in and now we're looking at Henderson and we're thinking yeah him and Fabinho are just the centre halves I mean that's ridiculous uh, and they're not, they're gonna get caught out at some point both of them have done incredibly well this season uh, Andy, there. Can, yeah. can I ask you a question there yeah yeah uh, you know think of this scenario what if Kabak was the one giving away the penalty and the penalty was scored, etc. Mm-hmm. What, what would have happened? Well, I, to be honest, I don't think I don't think it would have made much of a difference, really, because we all know that Kabak is he's 20 years old. He's one for the future. And there's not a lot of pressure on us in the sense that um, in the sense that we can flog him back in six months time if he's really bad. Um, and he's been used to it this season. It's not as if his confidence can get any lower. He was nearly part of the worst team in Bundesliga history. Um, and I just think at this point, you know, when are we gonna th- when are we gonna throw them in? I mean, Leicester away is not ideal. The Derby is not ideal. Leipzig's not ideal. Even Sheffield United away is not ideal. After that, it's a bit like, are we waiting for the Brighton at home? Because we might as well just throw them in against Brighton at home. And throughout the course of of January, even if you look at that FA Cup game, and that's why I think it's it's. And I'm the furthest thing from an FSG idea, as you can imagine. I think they've been brilliant for this club. The goddess club, they've invested really smartly and compared to the last owners, I mean, we don't even need to say it's just, it's chalk and cheese uh, in terms of the, in terms of the knowledge and know-how of how to deal with finances. However, the fact that we waited until the 31st of January, guys weren't available for Brighton and then we were in four games, four really tough games where we were reluctant to throw these guys in. It's it's almost like a it's almost like a dereliction of duty. We've known about this problem. I know the Matip thing changes things, the fact that he's out for the season, but we have we have to pay getting used to Matip not being there for at least fifty percent of the season. We have to account for that. And uh and and that that's the most frustrating thing for me. And I'm looking at it today and I'm thinking this Fabinho Henderson at the back. It's not even the fact that they're not good defenders. It just doesn't work in terms of the whole dynamic, in terms of the whole midfield. And the more and more we keep trying it, the more and more these results are going to come. Um, and only we were so good at the start of the season that this last kind of month or two of form would have us well outside the top four. And you look at the league now, and Chelsea are a point behind us. Spurs, if they win their games in hand, are a point behind us. Uh, Aston Villa and Everton are both ahead of us if they win games in hand. I mean, this is worrying. If Leicester beat us next week... You know, it's it's really, really, really not looking very good for next season. And, yeah, it's uh, a concern. It's it's absolutely a concern. Um, Beryl, the you know, Andy touches on the midfield there and the impact that obviously you know we we everyone wants Henderson and Fabinho in the midfield and club deemed tonight that it, it wasn't suitable to put either one or both of those two guys there. Um, but given that, I think we all probably, as I said before, expected the 11 to start as the 11 started. The thing that 
kind of confused me was that I gave Klopp a lot of praise after the West Ham game for, for getting the subs right and making changes at the right time and making the right changes at the right time. And it was something that we saw last season time and time and time again, where everything he seemed to do from the bench or in game was absolutely spot on. But again tonight, you know, and I'm loath to criticise the manager, don't get me wrong, but the subs just the subs just don't work, do they? Jones, I think, is is having a great game. Um, he's probably, in my opinion, our best player. He hooks him. Milner comes on, there's no impact. Security comes on, has less impact. And it just goes from bad to worse after that, doesn't it? Yeah, but I don't think you can you can um, judge them fairly without taking into account that the you know uh, I don't know how many minutes after they come on, um, Allison has his uh, has his brain farting episode uh, in which he gives away two two uh, goals. So yeah, in a it, 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 I don't think it's 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 we, we can judge uh, the effectiveness of these subs. Um, I agree with you that Curtis was was very good, but also uh, he he didn't play 90 minutes for uh, I think uh, um, I, I think the West Brom game must have been the last one he played 90 minutes in. Um, so yeah, may, maybe that's why he takes him off. And I think Thiago uh, had his worst game for us. Um, this season, and you know, he, he he's still getting used to to our pressing game, I think. And I, I after you know being booked after three minutes, um, and uh, you know normally that isn't a yellow in, in in the third minute, but you know it is a yellow. So so uh, fair enough. But uh, it was as if he he was uh, shying out of the uh, the, the physical uh, part of his game, and, and 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 if he if he does that, he's he's not as effective. Um, so I, I I you know I understood why 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 he took off Thiago, and uh, I could rationalize why he took off Curtis. Um, and whenever you know after the three one and the game effectively lost. Um, Shakiri got the ball. He, he tried to do something with it, but yeah, I don't think um, that's effective at that point. But you know, there's there's not a lot uh, uh, he he and he, he being a Klopp could do um, for you know what other options do we have on the bench? I think um, Guardiola. Played uh, his strengths against our our uh, flaws, our our weak spots, um, and and it worked very effectively. But it had also to do with, with some you know pretty big mistakes. You know th- this is what happens, and this is something that can happen. But it also has to do with 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 the the, the mindset, with the um, the fact, you know, that confidence is low. Uh, you know, I, I, I find it, I find it difficult to rationalize, uh, to, to judge, um, decisions like, you know, who to bring on and, and what tactics to use and, you know, with what, uh, players to start, um, after the fact. And, and, but, you know, at the same time, 
you know, I, I just asked Andy what he would have thought of the the scenario that that Kabak would have given away a penalty, and everybody was saying, including myself, that he's a he's a bit rash, but um, you know, but has has uh, has talent, and you know, uh, if he would have given away a penalty against Manchester City, you know, we we, we all would have said, yeah, this is. Uh, this is a confirmation of the fact that he's rash, and maybe his image would have been set at that point, and we would have viewed him from that angle ever from that moment on. So I could, I think Andy's point is very fair. You know, at what point do you bring him in, and at what point will his eventual mistakes be accepted? by our fan base but I think this is why he didn't play today um, I hope he will play uh, uh, in, the, in the next uh, game you're having some, some trouble with your, your microphone I think Dave okay um, uh, but uh, you know I, I hope uh, Kabak will play or Davies will play or even both of them will play but because I think you know the worst thing we could do from now on is try to emulate um, the tactics that have brought us uh, the Champions League and uh, and the league title, because these tactics were uh, relying were dependent on uh, certain players and their characteristics like Virgil Van Dijk etc. Um, and we don't have them, and and we, we need to play a different game. I, th- I think uh, we need to. Um, cope with the fact that we can't play the way we could have played if we would have Virgil van Dijk and, um, and, and uh, you know, um, could be able to play the high line, etc. We don't have these things. We don't have these players. So we need to uh, adapt and, and accept the fact that we are now a team that is trying to get into the top four and not a team that is trying to, uh, you know, uh, gather the or you know uh, defend the title and if we I think maybe this is the point that we can realize that and accept that yeah Chief it's an interesting point that Beryl makes that the recruitment at the club has been so smart and it there's been such an incredible like symbiosis between the manager and the recruitment team that they have bought players specifically designed to do a particular job that will fit seamlessly into the type of football that Jurgen Klopp wants to play. But when you pull one of those players out and then you pull another out and then you pull a third or a fourth out, it it is literally the squarest peg in the roundest hole that you're trying to fill. This team has been built on a specific style of play for five years. Um, but it's it's not that easy just to rip it all up and reinvent everything that we do because there's somebody that's missing. But the reality is, if you take a step back and think about it, that's probably what needs to be done right now. So, like, you know, where do we go from here? Because we need to do something. What we're currently doing isn't making a difference right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, but at the same time, I don't pretend to know what we need to do. Um, well, surmise for me, for the sake of argument. Well, for the sake, for the sake of, for the sake of argument. I just think um, I have something to say. <laughs> something to say. I mean, the, 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 basically, for me, I don't. I don't think that it's tactical, and I don't think that it's systemic. I think that it's psychological, and therefore I don't know how easy it is to turn the corner, because you've got a team here that's gone three years unbeaten at home, and they've just thrown in three defeats, three home defeats in a row. First Liverpool team to do that since I think 1963 was was um, the the. Stat on the commentary. I don't don't know how true that is, but um, yeah, we continue to break records. Yeah, unfortunately, this is a a bad one. Um, but that's why you you don't. We didn't suddenly become a bad team. Yes, you can put a lot of it down injuries, and it's maybe taken this long for them to properly have an effect because the team was actually so good that it took half the season almost for for the for the for it really to bite. But psychologically they're done at this point. Um Andy was right what he said earlier. We didn't look like creating a goal in open play. We had a couple of chances in the first half, but literally two and one's not really a chance. It's just a brilliant volley. Um and apart from the penalty, I don't think we would have scored. So it hasn't solved any of our problems today at all. Um, and I, I don't know. We've, we've got to get the mentality back. We've got to get the belief back. That's the number one thing. They don't believe in themselves. And they're not, because of that, they, they don't believe in each other. They're not playing that ball first time. They're not trusting their instincts. And it's the worst thing you can do as a human being, never mind as a footballer, is to is to go against your instincts all the time. And that's what they're doing, second-guessing consistently and constantly. And you can see when they don't that it flows nicely and we play well. And you can say Spurs and West Ham are good examples of that. You know, you watch the games back, we play the ball much quicker. We're much more confident in what we're doing. The runs are much more assured. The movement's much more, well, it's there. Because they believe the ball's coming and the ball does come. And we score goals, six of them in those games, I think. But you take Brighton and today, you know, save for that penalty, we, we wouldn't have scored. We could have played the game all day. So um, it's it's a mental issue. They haven't become bad players. And as the uh, West Ham and, and, and Spurs games show, it's not necessarily a personnel issue either. It's a mentality issue. So that's what Jurgen has it all to do is get that mentality right and get it sticking so that another setback, which is bound to come in this most calamitous of all seasons, will not knock them off again. Yeah, Andy, it's a strange one because I, I can do agree with Chief um, that it, it is a mentality issue. Um because we like we literally fell off a cliff at West Brom. We fell off a cliff. We we were 
absolutely nailed on before the West Brom game that we were going to win the league. And we had all these issues. We had all these same injury issues. Um, but at the same time, you know, this is the injury crisis has been un, unprecedented. Um, Simon Brundish put a tweet out uh, earlier on today. Um, 18-19 with 71 missed games um, due to injury after 32 games. Uh, last season, it was 57. This year, it's 178. And we're not talking about fringe players here. We're talking, and I love Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, but we're not talking about Oxlade-Chamberlain's. We're talking about Virgil van Dijk's, you know, and Joe Gomez's, and the heart and soul and spine of that side. So it has to play a part. It has to. But, you know, I think for me, the point here is that you can look at injuries and you can look at mentality and they probably both feed into one another. But in my eyes, Klopp, this is Klopp's thing. Klopp's thing is mentality. It's it's togetherness. It's it's a collective goal. But it just doesn't seem to be happening at the minute. Yeah, I think there's, there's the injuries and... And they have played a massive part. And, you know, like football isn't linear. It's not a case of your performance levels the exact same every week. And when you have a full fit squad, you're constantly playing at a high level. When you have injuries, you're constantly playing at a low level. Um, you know, we still have fantastic performances. We still have the performances where we, where we look like the Liverpool of the old. But I think the fact that it's like with this team, it can still reach those heights, but it just can't do it every week. Like the pre, like the team can when it's gotten. Uh, when it's fully fit, and that's the issue. That's what you know. What you talk about from from West Brom, the dip until now, and uh, you know, I look at it. And I think it's not just the injuries; it's the fact that we have to play pretty much the same team every week. Uh, you know, bar a few, and um, when we do make changes, uh, there is a drop off. Unfortunately, you know that Thiago and Milner midfield played like five games in a row, and Milner was playing so well until we ran him into the ground again, like we do every season, like we do every time we play him. Um, and as a result, we're stuck with, uh, we're stuck trying to shoehorn players into different positions. And it's just so frustrating in that way. And, you know, I'm looking at this season now, and the only glimmer of hope I can really give it is that, you know, Jota is coming back. We know that's a big thing. We know he's big in terms of breaking down defenses and finding that goal. He's two footed. He's unpredictable. And, and that's fantastic. And let's hope he's the same player coming back from the injury. Uh, I think we can, we can say he probably will be because it, it doesn't seem like it was that serious an injury, but he needs to come back and hit the ground running for us. And I'm just looking at, uh, at the Champions League and the Champions League's really shifted into the last part of the season. Like, uh, the quarterfinals of the Champions League are the 6th and the 7th of April. So I'm looking at that and I'm, I'm just thinking like, the only enjoyment, the only glimmer of hope for this season is if we can get through Leipzig by any which by any which way we can, by hook or by crook, any scoreline, any horrible victory, we can get through that game. And, you know, in April we might have Jota and a couple of others back. I know we have included Virgil and Gomez in our Champions League squad, so even if it's unlikely that they're back, we're holding out for that bit of hope that one of them will be back for, for hopefully that time. You know, that's you're talking April 6th and 7th. That's, you know, five, six weeks before the end of the season. So I'm looking at it now. And the only thing that's kind of keeping me going is looking at that Champions League quarterfinal. Um, of course, in the meantime, we're going to have to pick up enough, enough points to uh, to stay in the top four race as well. And I think next Saturday is going to be 
massive to that. But with a couple of weeks off as well, you know, we're not in the FA Cup this midweek. We get a week off in between the Leipzig games as well, um, while other teams catch up in Europa League. Uh, and that could all play in our favour. Uh, and as I say, there's going to be big pressure on Jota coming back. Hopefully we'll be able to um, bet in Quebec by that stage or Davies or even both of them. Uh, and we might see a different Liverpool. But at, at this point, like that's that's the only glimmer of hope I can really give because it, I do feel quite bleak here this evening, to be honest. Yeah, they're all... It, it's, it's not getting much better, is it? And... Um, you know, I'm I'm not going to bother talking about the next game because I think there's there's bigger issues here at the moment that we need we need to kind of look at. And I'm just interested on your thoughts. Do you feel that bringing two centre halves in and getting them on the pitch to a level that you know they don't realistically they don't need to be Virgil Van Dijk. You know, they don't have to be that. Um, they have to be Tyrone Mings. They have to be James, Tar- James Tarkovsky. They need just to be able to play at a decent level for us to pick up enough points to get to where we need to be. And Leipzig are a decent outfit. They're doing well in the Bundesliga. They've got a very innovative and young coach, but they're they're far from they're far from the level that our players, even our fit, even our fit players now, can reach. Do you think that getting those two centre-halves up to speed and on the pitch and being able to get those guys back in the midfield could make a huge difference? I think you make a very valid point. Uh, Nobody else has Virgil van Dijk. Um, uh, Manchester City struggled uh, with uh, um, replacing company and company is nowhere near... Virgil van Dijk, um, you know, if you compare them as, as central defenders, he, he has lots of charisma and leadership qualities, etc. But um, but as a defender, Virgil van Dijk is 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 a you know we we are almost forgetting how how good he he, he is, and hopefully will be uh, again um, soon soon-ish. Um, but you know, other teams don't have him, and 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 Leicester were, were champions with with. <laughs> if if you look back at their center at their central backs, it's 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 um, it's it's all, almost comical what you would need if you adapt to you know what you have, and um, uh, I, I think it. We need to 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 get these central defenders up to speed and uh, either. Uh, um, play them both, or uh, um, play them alongside one of the other um, players that have been uh, uh, stewarding as uh, uh, filling in as as central defenders. Um, I, I thought Fabinho was was excellent as at central defence uh, until uh, <laughs> this night. Uh, he, he, yeah, okay, but you know he he, he was playing against uh, uh, one of the best. Uh, um, att- attacking forces in in uh, uh, in this country. So yeah, okay. Um, uh, granted, so we, we could play uh, Fabinho with Kabak. I think this would be a very complementary uh, setup. I, I have to admit, and I don't know Davies, and um, you know, um, other than what I've seen of him in YouTube clips and 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 his uh, you know people. Re- um, 
telling us what we got in, but uh, you know he, he looks like a decent lad, but I don't know what what qualities he he really has. So I don't know what to expect of him. I know Ozan Kabak. I think uh, uh, Fabinho and Kabak would be a, a really good complementary uh, setup, but maybe we could play Davies uh, alongside Kabak. Maybe we could play with, with three defenders. You know, uh, as I said before. I think it would be a mistake to hold on to to what we have been doing uh, with players like uh, Joe Gomez, with players like Virgil van Dijk. Uh, uh, we don't have them available at this point, so we have to make do. And maybe we can play with three defenders. Maybe we can play more uh, with a real defensive midfielder. Fabinho could fill in and drop in between those two. Um, Uh, it, you know, th there there are lots of options, and and we have lots of great players. Uh, not all of them available, but if Jota comes back and if we can rotate uh, between uh, him and Firmino and 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 uh, Sadio and and Mo, and and maybe even play some younger players, some players on the under twenty twenty threes, twenty ones even. Um, Because you know this is this is a time you you should use um, you know the available time also to to bet in players. You know um, Shakiri played well but doesn't have a future. Origi played okay against West Ham but doesn't have a future with us. So maybe we should even look uh, further than that. And uh, you know getting to top four is is a different task than getting to to top one. Um, Uh, I think you know. I, I think this is a rock bottom because this was the game we could we could have turned around our season. We haven't. So <clears throat> maybe we should accept the fact and we should uh, you know, set some new targets. And I think we don't need Virgil Van Dijk to get to top four. We didn't before, and we can do that uh, without him. Yeah. So. Let's hope that we can. Um, I think that's probably enough depressing for everybody this evening. So um, until next time, we're like just a goal from open play. I'd probably be happy with. Um, so until the next goal that Liverpool score from open play, up the rock bottom Reds. Mm -hmm.